Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's the Autosport Podcast. Gary Anderson joins us to review the third day of F1 pre-season testing and ask, is Mercedes struggling? Three down, five to go. Formula One pre-season testing in Barcelona is continuing apace. Today, Daniel Kvyat topped the times for Toro Rosso Honda with a 1 minute 17.704 seconds. That's using the softest tyre, the compound five. And that deposed Kimi Raikkonen and the Alfa Romeo, who used the same tyre to set a 1 minute 17.762 seconds. But there have been a few question marks raised by people about what Mercedes are up to. They were, again, down the bottom of the timesheets. Overall lap times, always in testing, don't mean that much. But it's been interesting to see that we haven't seen much pace from the Mercedes in a a range of of conditions, so we'll talk about that shortly. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me, as ever, to look back at the day of testing is is Gary Anderson, freshly returned from the circuit. Interesting day of testing. It's strange, isn't it? We've we've not really seen a big breakout story of testing other than perhaps than Williams' struggles. Yeah, it's a a very sort of subdued test, I suppose you might call it. It's all going on. Everybody's doing lots and lots of laps. Reliability on the majority of the cars is very high, especially the guys at the front. Um, but the, you know, going out and looking around the circuit and stuff, there's just no cars that are really got problems 
yes, there's different grip levels between cars, as you'd expect for the big teams and the smaller teams, just budget to resource, to research stuff is just so much less. But none of them have the sort of things that we've seen over the last two or three years where you'd have a, you know, washout understeer problem with a really nervous rear end or, you know, whatever. It's, it's all, they're, all, they're all pretty good cars, to be honest, and that's, uh, that's good and bad. I'm not quite sure where it takes us in the longer term because um, it, will, it should lead to a little bit closer racing. But um, I'm not quite sure that we can race closely yet. So uh, I'll have to see when the test goes on. Just says five more days to go. So, you know, push hasn't come to shove yet. Well, we spent a little bit of time today watching trackside as we do every day in testing. And as you say, most of the cars look, look pretty well sorted already. There's nobody really seems to be uh, to be in a bind. I mean, why might that be? Clearly, we know teams do lots of simulation work. Teams get ever more professional, ever more proficient at preparing for this. But are, are there other reasons why things might be quite easy to understand, perhaps, compared to last year? Because we are used to teams taking time to dial their cars in. Yeah, no, it's true. And, you know, the, the thing about any any racing car, it's you only know what you know. And um, there's, there's things that you don't know. So the things that you don't know are usually what let you down. And, you know, no matter how good the team is, nobody knows 100%, which makes a racing car quick. You know, some teams, like Mercedes, for example, Ferrari, they probably know more than than the smaller teams. But there's still a few things there that can bite you. And one of the things that they've changed this year with the front wing regulations is they've taken away a lot of the furniture that was on the wing, all the bits and pieces, turning vanes and vortex generations and stuff that were there basically to turn the airflow out around the front tyre. And they made the, the the wing wider, so now the end plate's level with the front tire. Um, but they've tried to do that to help the racing, so that the the, the wake coming off the, the leading car isn't as bad as um, as it was last year. And I think, um, incidentally, by accident, um, by taking all that stuff off the front wings, they've actually made the cars a lot better. And one of these characteristics that not a lot of people spend a huge amount of time on is, is aerodynamic uh, steering characteristics, aerodynamic changes due to steering. So if you imagine going down a straight line and you've got that wheel there, uh, all that airflow is getting washed outboard around the tyre. But the minute you get to the corner, you turn the steering wheel and the wheels change their position and they also change their angle. Instead of it being a big flat bit of rubber behind the front wing, it's actually an angle piece of rubber. Each side's different. So that has a completely changed the car completely, and I mean, going way back nineteen ninety eight when we built the the Jordan that Damon Helen Ralph Schumacher drove, um, it you know everything in the wind tunnel said it was a, a better car than the ninety seven car, but when we got to the track, it it wasn't a better car. Um, it was still reasonably quick at times, but it wasn't nice to drive. It wasn't consistent to drive, and I racked my brain a bit about it and all and. You know, decided to go and do some steering um, t- angle test, see what happens to the aerodynamics. Nobody, you know, we hadn't done very much of it at all before. We'd done a little bit, but not very much. So basically, I had to sort of think about what would what uh, what would I want to happen whenever this this takes place. Um, and basically, whenever I, you know, whatever I thought of that should happen um, was the opposite. Whenever we tried it on the car, um, tested in the car in the wind tunnel. So we did some bits and pieces, new front wing end plates, and moved the side pod a bit, and changed the barge boards a bit. Barge boards a bit. Lo and behold, centre pressure shift went the opposite direction, and on the track the car was capable of winning races, and it just transformed the car completely. So I think, and these bits on the front wing end plates, there was so much work going on to turn the airflow around the tyre that it wasn't really researched properly. 
because of all, with all those different steering angles. So some cars would have a decent package, but when you turn the wheels, something strange would happen. And if you have a, if you have, if you lose front for, front front down force when you turn the steering wheels, the next thing you do is turn the steering wheel a bit more, and then you lose more front down force, and you turn the steering wheel a bit more. So when we were seeing cars in the last couple of years that were, you know, understeering dramatically through you know various corners, um, I'm pretty sure that was part of the reason because they had this problem that they didn't actually know about because they, they could you can't spend time researching the wind tunnel now because wind tunnel time and CFT CFD analysis time is, is limited. So it's a, it's a circle of events, but I think they've actually helped take away an unknown problem by changing the regulations on the front wing. It'll be interesting to see how that how that bears out. Obviously quite a few test days yet to come and it won't be till Melbourne that we really see people uh battling and anger in qualifying. In fact, even in Melbourne, the, the gaps tend to be expanded anyway, so it might be uh, Bahrain before we get a big feel for it. But it's, it's, an, interesting, uh, it's, it's an interesting idea, interesting to see what some of the, the teams say about that. Uh, when we look at the times, obviously, Daniel Kvyat top. It's a happy hour run quite late on. That deposed Reich and then he'd set his time a little bit earlier in the afternoon. Inevitably, topping testing doesn't count for much and the Toro Rosso doesn't look, well, it looks far from the best uh, car out there, but... I guess at least they, they've shown they can do the time. They've got into the, the 17s and that, I guess, validates the fact that we're going to see much, much quicker times, or we would if the best cars were to go into something approaching qualifying trim. Yeah, well, one of the things to make sure is that, you know, for, for a team like Toro Rosso, who are a small team and they're, you know, in that midfield bunch, um, they they need to make sure they can get the best out of what they've got. So by having a run on, you know, a qualifying run as such, or a fairly low fuel run, at least they're sort of learning about the car. And one of the things about tyres and stuff, new tyres or um, a softer compound tyre normally brings more understeer in the car. Um, so if you've, you know, if you've got a bit of a understeer in the car and you put a softer tyre on, you just get more of it. If you've got a car that's got a little bit of a loose, you know, rear end's a bit nervous or whatever, and you put a softer tyre on, it'll fix it. So you've got to learn those things. And as I say, the, the, the only thing that Toro Rosso can try to do is the best job they can do within their set of circumstances. And so by them, the smaller teams having a go, it's not the wrong thing because they're preparing themselves for the opportunity if it does arise in Melbourne to, to do something good while some of the, the big teams that don't want to show their true hand sort of uh, might not bother and go to Melbourne and find they've got a problem whenever they put the soft tyres on. Well, talking of, of big teams, should we go to the other end of the, the timesheets today? Uh, well, ahead of George Russell and the Williams, who we'll talk about in, in a bit. Valtteri Bottas, 11th, and Lewis Hamilton, 12th. One minute, 20.693 for Bottas. One minute, 20.818, the fastest for Hamilton. That was using compound three, so that was the middle compound. Now, we know Mercedes are not last. So what the question is, people are starting to say, well, are Mercedes in trouble? We've not seen a great deal from them in kind of any pace configuration so it's a little bit odd the pattern we're seeing from from Mercedes yeah. so what what do you make of it well it's it's interesting in a way that they've not shown really competitive enough times you know the the, the difference in the time from them the, the, the ultimate time that they've done against what Ferrari have done uh, ends up being about 50 kilograms of fuel difference and I can't see that Mercedes run 50 kilograms of fuel more than Ferrari because the cars only hold 110 so that seemed wrong. But also then looking today at the Valtteri Bottas, he did a race run just before lunchtime. And I, I plot every lap of that. And if you compare it to what uh, the, race, the race run last year, the, the actual Grand Prix in May of last year from more or less Lewis Hamilton's lap times, 
um, he was, you know, a good second and more slower per lap. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a very good race run. And, and now, you know, you know, whenever they're doing that 66 laps that they're starting with 100, maybe 110 kilograms of fuel in the car and they're finishing with nothing. So through that race run, you you see performance. And as I say, the only thing we can compare it to is, A, I can do a, a th- theoretical one to see what the, the drop-off is in, in the, as the tyres go. And I can compare it to a race that we knew last year. And basically on both of those things, he's... He's a, a second a lap slower than my theoretical, uh, and he's nearly two seconds a lap slower than last year. So perhaps all's not that rosy, you know. Perhaps there is more to go. Now we we don't know where they got the engine turned down to, but it's a, f- a new engine, and if they're turning it down to do those runs now, they're not putting themselves to the point of of understanding whether where they can turn it up to when they get to Melbourne. So. Don't know. We we'll have to wait and see, and maybe they'll go out tomorrow and do 16s. And I hope they do because we want them to be competitive, as I hope Ferrari do as well. But uh, all the numbers that I've got at the minute um, don't put Mercedes ahead of what Ferrari's doing. And the only thing we don't know is the fuel load, except for during a race run. Whenever we do know, it starts off with a lot of fuel in it and it ends up with very little. Of it. I must say, I, I was expecting to see a little bit more from, from Mercedes, not necessarily in terms of peak lap time, but particularly those long runs was, was concerned. So it'll be interesting to see how they go on. I mean, they're, they're not going to be two seconds off. But at the moment, if you were going to say, how's it going to shake out? I'd be inclined to say, well, Ferrari maybe is ahead. It's so early on, so we can't draw any definitive conclusions from that. But maybe there's maybe they have run into something, one of those unknowns uh, you mentioned with the change of the change of uh, aero regs. Perhaps that's just exposed something. Perhaps their whole... Because they talked about it being an evolution of the concept. James Allison did. But they've lost a lot of the control in the front wing and all those forward bits of furniture have disappeared. So perhaps it's that usual thing. I guess the thing I always compare it to was when the, the driver aids were banned in 94. And Williams had a car that was conceived around brilliant active ride system. And it didn't work so well initially when they took it away because they'd gone down this route that's dependent on one bit of technology existing and they had to kind of take a few steps back to, to get back to where they should have been. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always difficult whenever something changes because do you have to change your philosophy or do you just have to build it around your philosophy and sort of highlight the uh, the areas that are changing and try and do something with it? The one thing that I would say about the Mercedes is that they, they don't run the, the high rake like all the other cars. Now, Red Bull were the first to start that. That's that's a high rear ride height, a low front ride height, so that basically at low speed, the front wing's closer to the ground, and also the, the, the underfloor of the car um, can create more downforce because the whole car works as a bit of a diffuser. You're, you're expanding the airflow. And the important thing with a high-rate car is that you stop the airflow from spilling in under the floor down the sides. The other teams have all gone at various degrees over the last couple of years to high-rate cars. To today, whenever you're out there in the track looking at them, you can see them. This, you know, the, the Red Bulls are very high, but they run probably the rear suspension a bit softer because in the fast corners they're a bit flatter, or they're a bit flatter than, let's say, the force in, or the racing point, which has, in the pit lane, has not got quite as much rake, but in the fast corners it's actually got more rake. So that points to me that they run the rear of the car a bit stiffer. So it's all a balance of that, but Mercedes have not visited the high rake um, car situation at all. And perhaps with these regulations and how their car works, you know, that, that's a route they have to take. 
but I think we have to give it more time before we 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 say that they're going to be battling with uh, down the back of the field. I don't think that's going to quite happen, or else Lewis Hamilton will be off to his do something different I would think <laughs> yeah 100% I mean, Lewis Hamilton was talking up Ferrari's performance today saying they look very 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 strong I think for me it's a question of are they giving away a bit of time to Ferrari rather than are they in a in a, in a huge hole but it's going to be interesting to, to follow how that uh, how that pans out and it, it was interesting actually when we were watching them on those uh, watching those race runs in the afternoon the conservative approach that into turn three he was out and he was Hamilton in the afternoon wasn't it the conservative approach into turn three and also turn nine, fast camps a right-hander, where the car was just just really just really slowed down and and sort of rolling it into the corner, which was unusual even for a race run if you were trying to protect the tire. So that was something that just makes me wonder if there there's just something in the way they're approaching it that means the lap times themselves aren't aren't anything remarkable. Well, the odd time, the odd lap times that I got while Hamilton was doing his race run in the afternoon. It wasn't that far apart from Bottas. Initial stint was a little bit quicker initially, but then it went a bit slower later on. So, you know, it was about abusing the tyres a little bit too too early on. But yeah, the grip level didn't did deteriorate, and and you know the confidence in the car did deteriorate. It didn't jump into a big oversteer, a big understeer. It just jumped into a, a bit less grip. So you know, mid corner, we just couldn't carry that speed. So the, you're off the throttle a lot more. With these engines the way they are, you you hear that fairly blatantly. You know, turn nine is a typical example, and anti turn three is a typical example of two corners where basically turn three you, you arrive and drive, you just keep it flat whenever everything's good and you get fresh tires on and and a, a medium fuel load and camp. So you come up there and you change down one gear and turn right, um, but not you know that's not happening whenever with a Mercedes on high fuel load or even whenever they got to the middle fuel load and on the second stint of the race, still they were you know they were having to be very weary with the thrall and uh, they just couldn't keep it nailed through there so give them more time and let's see what happens I'm, I'm sure the battle royal will come up soon but Vettel you know he's done his run today it's uh, Charles Leclerc tomorrow so what Vettel's done this week in the two days is done he's not it's not as though they're going to do another a glory run with a Ferrari either so um yeah it's it's it, it's so unknown it's more unknown than I've ever known it that's just, is that strange? <laughs> as it were, that's almost a Donald, Rol- Donald <laughs> yeah. Rumsfeld, isn't it? Yeah. Known unknowns, unknown unknowns, yeah. Yeah, which fits in with what we we're talking about with uh, shows you how much I know things in the car. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, mentioning Ferrari, we talked about them a fair bit on the previous two podcasts, so we don't want to go into them in too much depth. But it did strike me when we were watching Vettel and his run up at camps of the fast right hander, and when you know turning decisively, and when when there was any just rear limitation or the rear moving a bit, it was just this beautiful, just slight. Yeah, yeah drift it didn't scrub off any speed it just looked really lovely didn't it yeah i mean again it's, it's the same thing if you've got you know if aerodynamically you've got confidence in the car you should always be driving it to the limit of where it's moving where it's just just sliding um and the car's always sliding because they're getting the, the, the grip out of the tire it's called a yaw so the car's always at a bit of an angle and everything is sliding all the time but then you go above that and you you know the car you visibly then you can see the car moving and it's um it's quite interesting because the Ferrari, you know, it just seemed to be able to go there and stay there. It wasn't it wasn't difficult to to recognise it. And you know, it's a, a lot of times a driver will say it's much ni- you know it's nicer to drive in the wet because you slide the car slides a lot and more in the wet, so you you know the limit of the car earlier. Whereas in the dry, I mean, on, on new tyres and stuff, it's pretty damn difficult to get yourself up to that level. Um, as someone Lewis Hamilton, that, well, the good guys are just very good at, you know, going out and doing a, a qualifying lap on a brand new set of tyres. So, but the Ferrari looked very, very at home 
a very, very, a very, very good cart, given the feedback to the driver, so we could take it to the limit and uh, and use it all the time. And yeah, that, that's something you need. You know, you need that 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 feedback from the chassis. Well, certainly right now, if you were having to put money on who'd win in Australia, you'd put money on Ferrari, wouldn't you? But it's still very, very early days, so. Let's see, see where Mercedes come from. We're going to talk about many other topics in a minute, including Williams, and we'll be back after this. Well, Gary, as you said, lots of other topics to talk about. Big one today was Williams, the FW42 that we've been waiting for for several days. Finally rolled out for the first time, came past us at watching down at Turn 1 at the start of the afternoon. Disappeared for maybe 90 minutes, came back out, did 23 laps in the end uh, over, the, over the course of the day. Did a 1 minute 25.625. 7.9 seconds off the pace but let's not worry about the, the lap time it's been a real battle the, the car left Grove in the UK overnight charter plane in here so they've done a good job to to scramble to get a car up and running what were your impressions of the car well impression wise technically I'm, uh, there's quite a few nice things on it but just just going back to what we did in those 23 laps that 25 something um, if I was part of the team there I would have been very happy, I suppose, if you got into the 22s or 21s, somewhere down around then, because looking at the other teams when they came out uh, at the beginning of the week, that's the sort of area they dropped into reasonably quickly. Um, that's where you sort of find then you need to start getting the car to work around you a little bit as opposed to just driving it. And, you know, with a with a car, it has a, a sort of flow rate. In other words, it's just got a, a, it wants to do a lap time because you have to give it its head, you have to let it, let it do itself. You can't, you can't sort of hold it back. Yes, obviously you can go slower, but if you drive it and, and flow with the car, it'll get, it'll take you to a lap time. And I think that for the time, they, they, you know, the amount of laps they've done, that was just a little bit slower than I would have felt happy with. However, we, we do hear that there's some bits not on the car, bits missing yet, and they're just trying to get them. That's probably aerodynamic gizmos here and there that need to go onto it. But either way, they're up and running now, so we stop abusing them I suppose and let them get on with their job they've just got to bite the bullet and say they've got five days testing and, and do the best they can um, the car itself uh, quite the the, the, um, the front wing is a sort of in between concept with a Ferrari to Mercedes which has got this twist the Ferrari's got this twisted flap that, that drops down as it goes out to near the end plate and the, the Mercedes doesn't so there's a few cars like the, the uh, Racing Point and Haas that are sort of in between those two and um, Williams follows the same sort of trend so it's, it's neither, or, neither or but it's it's okay as we've seen from the Mercedes and the, the Ferrari one at the moment nothing's right it's just different but uh, the, the one thing that stands out to me is it's uh, quite um, innovative and in my opinion a good a good way to go is the front suspension and the geometry of the front suspension uh, over the last years, these these cars have ended up with uh, suspension geometry, wishbones that go from the upright assembly to the chassis, and basically they rise up as it goes up to the chassis. Um, so it means that whenever the car rolls or you're um, running at high speed, you're actually losing uh, negative camber. And if you had an ideal suspension geometry, you want to gain negative camber. In other words, the, the wheel wants to tilt in at the top. So most of these teams now run the maximum camber that Pirelli allow, statically in the garage because at high speed they need that camber to get the tire support um, and that means that you've got a lot of camber on whenever you're braking into slow corners so you've got a risk of, of uh, flat spot on tires uh, also means you just don't get the tire support uh, in the fast corners because the, you're sort of going over the outside wall of the tire and you'll see 
quite often, you know, on the inside tyre, when you've got a long corner like turn three, which is a right-hander, on the right-hand front tyre, you'll see the inside shoulder will pick up a lot of rubber. Um, and that's where you'll get blisters because it's just trailing that bit of tyre across, across the road. So the geometry they've got, or the wishbone locations that they've got, are much more um, to a normal suspension geometry. Um, so they will induce negative camber as the car uh, goes to higher speed and as the car rolls, which is what the tyre wants to do when you're loading it up. So I think that's quite a good way to go. They're the only team that's gone as far as that. I've criticised it quite a lot because their last year's car was the worst in the pit lane as far as the opposite direction. So they've obviously had a change of a change of thought, hopefully. I'll be I'll be um, pretty happy if it goes the right direction for them. Um, and, and again, you look at things like, you look at the Mercedes, you look at the Ferrari, you know, they're the, they're the guys that aren't as extreme. It, 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 I think to me now it's starting to point a little bit to the ones that aren't as extreme on the front suspension have better cars. I'm not Benny means saying that's the only the only problem, but it is you know it is something that's tending that people are coming back to being more sympathetic to the tyre with the suspension geometry than just saying it doesn't matter and we'll pile loads of downforce on the car. Um, the rest of the car, you know, it's a, it's a it's a bit sort of early to say we haven't seen the, the barge board areas and the diffuser area up front up close because the pictures don't do them justice because they're all black and you can't see anything so we need to see them tomorrow in the pit lane whenever they hopefully they'll be going on the pits a little bit more often than they were today and make a real judgment but as i say i'd like to see them a little bit faster but at least they're up and running um and they need to get a, 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 a try and get a day's work in tomorrow but if they're not into the 20s tomorrow sort of thing by before lunchtime I mean, at twenty zero, that sort of time. I think, I think. Hang on, this is this is going to be a, a little bit of an uphill battle. Yeah, certainly a, a team having a very very tough time there. So they will be hoping to get some uh, get some good mileage and some good pace uh, shown tomorrow. Uh, what else do we have? Daniel Ricciardo was third fastest in the Renault, uh, one minute eighteen point one six four seconds on the compound four. The Renault started the day with Nico Hulkenberg in the car with the DRS not in use after yesterday's problem, and then. DRS was allowed to be used in, in the afternoon. The system was at least working. And so Renault starting to show some some good pace. We saw Haas having a few more problems again. We see Gunterstein said they need to fix some of these gremlins they've been having. They've been having some electrical problems. And that how much does that get in the way in testing? Because they've, they've had quite a few stops yeah, they're, on they're, track. Another one uh, late today. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, they, they take the, the prize for the most stops on track with, with different problems. Uh, and it's always a difficult thing whenever it's a different problem because I think the last one today was a hydraulic problem. But it's 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 the thing that can let them down because I think the car looks very solid on the track. It's very good. It's got a very good uh, stance. In other words, you know, th- th- turning it into the corner, that's, it's got grip. It's very stable. looks like you, the drivers can commit to it very, very well. So they need to fix those problems because those are, those are, those are the things that happen in a, race, in a race. And it's only in the race you get points. So the first thing you've got to do is be able to do those race distances. And as I say, we saw today that uh, Mercedes did two race distances with one with Lewis Hamilton and one with Valtteri Bottas. Other teams have done race stints, but they haven't actually done 66 laps, bish, bash, bosh, done. So they have to start and do that, and, and Haas have to start and do that as well. Um, going back to the uh, to the Renault thing, and, and you were saying at the DRS, just to sort of explain the way a lot of the teams work, you know, the, the, the DRS you can use in qualifying and in the race you can only use it when you get within a second of the car in front of you so what you'll see is most teams that run uh, race distance you know don't bother with the drs or most teams that are running 
uh, for race type characteristic testing won't bother the DRS. But whenever somebody's trying to to set to, to get a lap time and you know push on a little bit, they will use the DRS. So it's another little indication for us whenever we're looking to see if they're using the DRS or not, because if they're not using it, they're not really interested in the and what the lap time they can do, if they are using it, there is a bit of interest in the lap time. So we'll keep a, a, bit, a little bit of a better eye on that tomorrow. Well, there's plenty to watch out for tomorrow. We'll bring you another podcast at the end of the test where we review all the teams. We've jumped around various different teams in the, the three podcasts we've done so far. So if your favourite wasn't talked about uh, tonight, we'll certainly get into it tomorrow. Please do check out autosport.com. Loads of stories from emerging from testing. Check out our live coverage as well. Runs throughout the day. You'll be able to follow every moment of, of testing there and who's going quick and who's struggling. Also check out Autosport Magazine, which is out Thursday. So there's a new issue on the shelves tomorrow with all sorts of in-depth technical features on the new cars. So yeah, you really get to grips with with who's done what, the different concepts, very interesting stuff. Please check out sister titles, motorsport.com, F1 Racing Magazine out monthly and Motorsport News out weekly. And if you fancy a flutter, please download the Pit Stop Betting app. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. Redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.